Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on BlogTalkRadio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you've just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on BlogTalkRadio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. If you could share one intimate lifetime experience with a young woman that could save her life, would you? Ten women from the south side of Chicago have, and you will be forever changed by their sacrifice and courage. From producer-director Jenks Morton comes the next installment of the urgent and necessary conversation that will begin to steer the national dialogue in a new direction. With heartfelt, painstaking and intimate details of their relationship choices, members of the Bird Group at Chicago share their riveting stories of triumph, trials, tribulation, and tragedies. 
For the first time in African-American cinema, the soul of a black woman's family, relationships, and internal struggles are uncovered, and the pathway to true restoration is shown. This film is guaranteed to resonate and address head-on subjects tucked away in the heart of many African-American women and will empower them to release the enslaving bondage of their past. We Need to Talk, a message to our daughters by producer-director Jenks Morton. Jenks, welcome to A Measure of Truth. What a powerful introduction that is. Uh, I think I'm getting goosebumps. That was that was very very uh, warming to hear the words that have been written and to hear them. I've never heard them before. I mean, they're written, but I've never. That sounded really good. Thank you for having me, Mike. And it's good to be back. It's been uh, I want to say too long. I, I can't even tell you. Absolutely, the last time it's been too long. Thanks for having me. You know, good. when in reading those words, it's not very difficult to, to, to understand what they're saying and to interpret the emotion behind and the power of this film is just, and, and I'm seeing what's on Facebook, I'm seeing the buzz from the blogs that you've linked in, man, it is, it's just amazing. So tell us a little bit about this film and, and why the big buzz, why is it just stirring the part of um, our society right now? Well, it's stirring the heart, mind, and soul of, of black women. And I, I've said this on, on radio a couple times already. For me as a dude, as a man, it's hard for me to synapse that, that movie in like, you know, like a good 10-second soundbite for you because the, the film is, is as complex as a black woman's soul or her heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and what I will say is this, that that complexity has a degree of hurt in it that most men are not aware of because they've tucked it away and they, they put it in like a, like a gift box and put a little gift wrap on it and they put it in a closet somewhere and they think that they've, they've coped with it. But what the film has shown them is that uh, just putting it away and shucking it off and keeping it moving is really not dealing with it and that it's really more dealing with your life and, and, t- and dictating where you go as opposed to you just really just you know, repressing it into your subconscious. So what women are, are seeing are the reflections of themselves on screen for the purpose, truly. Like, and that's another thing about, you know, with, with Hollywood and, and movies, we really don't see ourselves in our authenticity on, on, on the big screen. And this time, black women are relating with this movie because they see between the ten subjects, they see themselves, you know, multiple times and their thought processes and their, their, their language and, and their relations. And they, they, they're just able to connect with this thing in a way that it, it brings women to tears uh, when the when the lights come on after the film is over. Wow. And, and where did the idea and the concept for doing this type of film, which is so different, come from? Well, you know, I'm faith-based. So uh, the, the, the funny story is, like, basically the end of last year, uh, it was revealed to me that I was going to do three movies this year. And I mm. did the, post, the posters for all three movies in December. Um, one movie's called Guppy, which comes out the end of... Um, uh, August, We Need to Talk, which is uh, the premiere of this week, and another movie called Dear Daddy. Now, the funny thing of how he works with me is I had no idea who who's going to be in it or how it's going to be done. I just knew what they looked like. I knew what those films conceptually were going to represent. And um, I spoke in Chicago in April, and these two women saw me speak, and then they, they tracked me down and said, 
we want to we want you to do something with us because we've got a great thing going on here. And I'm like, well, I don't work with women, but I do got this movie I need to shoot. And and we got to going back and forth, and sure enough, that, that was we need to talk. They were doing exactly what that poster and that concept was, you know, four month, the poster that was done four months before I had even met them or even knew who they were. Really? Um, and that's Man, that's true. crazy. Yeah. Well, that's how he does me. It's like, like I'm thoroughly convinced that God has a sense of humor. Because the way the way he does me is just hilarious at times. I'm telling you, the, yeah. you can check Facebook. Those movie posters for those three movies are up. They've been up since November, December of last year. Wow! Uh, I was, I, and I I did not know uh, these women. I didn't even know who was going to be them. And the funny thing, I'm shooting another movie Tuesday, two days before the the uh, the, uh, the premiere. The Dear Daddy is being shot on Tuesday. I met those women because they saw. We need to talk, and I, I just—it's just funny how he does me. So, wow, that—that that is so, really something, man. Yeah, and the thing of it is, I went up there with a concept of what I wanted to, it to be. It was really going to be originally, and this is you know the whole thing of my will versus what he wants. But I—I I thought I was going to be doing a movie around uh, teenage moms and the and the the uh, deleterious effect that that has on your life of making that choice. Mm-hmm. And it started in that space. When we first started filming, it started there. But there's a bigger arc that's going on that was revealed through that, that session that I, I saw. I mean, I never really put this thing together like this. But, you know, for years I've gone around and talked about the urgent role that fathers have to play in young boys' lives. And I did not know that it is as significant, if not more, that fathers do some very, very specific things for their daughters to keep them out of teen pregnancy, to keep them out of loss of virginity, to keep them out of the abortion clinic. It's daddy. And that was what, that's what's really, really resonating with, with black women. They, they, the movie allows them to put two and two together for the first time to really see, you know, why did I date older men or why did I chase after men with money or why did I chase after men who disrespected me or why do I have problems in the workplace relating with other black women why do I, why am I so judgmental on the metro bus when I see another black? All of this stuff weaves back to that, and they see it, and mm-hmm. it, it opens their hearts up for the first time to really allow a healing to take place. And it's just it's a transformational movie, and I've, I've been saying this. This is the best work that I've ever done, and, you know, I've done several films. This is the best that I've ever done. Wow. <laughs> With that. <laughs> It, um, it makes what it makes what black men think look like a student film. It really. Does. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and that film blew me away. And, uh, and that, I'm, that film, that film won best best film of 2007. And I'm telling you, this movie makes what black men think look like a like somebody was from Howard University. You know, did a great job. And this thing, and I'm not, I'm not talking about cosmetics here. I'm talking about the message, the messengers the overall concept and how it is allowing people to heal. What black men think allows, it jars your psyche and, and allows you to reprocess. It allows you to rethink what black male identity is, but there really isn't a transformational healing in that. It, it can take the, the cloud off of your lenses so you can mm-hmm. see more clearly, and that allows for a better connection between black men and black women. I get that about that film. This movie, women have fallen out on the floor in tears. Like, I'm wow. Southern Baptist, you know, like you know, like when the ladies with the white gloves come get you? Oh, yeah. Scream? <laughs> yeah. That, I had that experience oh, happen to me showing this film because it's, it's like, and then this one woman 
she encapsulated it pretty good. She said, you know, it's it's so endearing to us, not that it is, we can see ourselves, but a man did this for us. Right. And I was like, whoa. She said, you have to really understand that we have been let down from our fathers to men our entire lives, and that someone loves us this much to do this for us is one of the things that just, you know, rips all through their souls. Now, tell us a little bit about why is the film so controversial. Let's start with the first point. Is it not a film for men? Well, it is a film for men. It's just that I have to, I'm going to have to roll this out in tears. Um, mm. You think, like, when you go to the hospital, you know how they triage? Uh, yeah. Like, the, the most severe wounds go to the front of the line, and then the less severe uh, mm-hmm. get, get treated later on. And I'm not saying that the, that the amount of trauma... Uh, to, to people is, is, is triage like that. What I am saying is that this movie has to be shown, in the, especially in this large environment, for women only because they need to be feel like they're in a safe environment to, to let go. I mean, one of the first things I'm going to do when I go up on stage is come take their daggone shoes off to relax and, mm-hmm. and allow, allow, the, you know, allow the spirit to work through them. You know, and if their hair is too tight, if, they, if their necklaces loosen up because they need to feel safe, and, and the, the challenging thing of it is, as, as we go through the pathways of reconciliation and restoration, I can go up there and, you know, really preach a good gospel, and, and, and hearts can be one, but if Vin Diesel walks into the room and takes his shirt off, because that's the way we're conditioned, they'll fall right back into their old routine. No matter all that good stuff I, I tell them, he can knock it out of the box. So we have to have a safe and a, and a, and a, a codifying environment for women to, to kind of heal in their own space without and devoid of men. Wow, wow. But the, the, the other tier is, is that and I being a father of a young girl, uh, I actually, you know, fess up to this on, on camera. Like, you know, I, I've been out here doing this work for a minute. I'm telling you, Mike, I didn't know. I, 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 in my heart, I, I, you know, it put me on my knees. I cried filming these women because I didn't know this is what's going on with them. I mean, wow. I, and I've, I've shrugged it off. I feel really bad. One of the probably most irresponsible things I've done with my own daughter is like I, I, I've told her on a number of cases, stop acting like a girl. That's like the worst thing from a gender identification thing a man, a father can do to his daughter. Right. Like trying to toughen her up in the wrong way. Yeah, mm-hmm. because she, she, she's a princess. That's what it is. She whines and she, you know, she's, but I'm, I'm telling her to reject her own femininity, which is just traumatic. I should be mm. telling her to embrace her femininity. I should be uplifting her feminine. I should be telling her that she is the most beautiful creation on God's green earth. Never let anyone take that away from you. And that keeps her out of putting fake contacts in her eyes, putting on the blonde wigs, letting man, men exploit her. The only person that can protect a young girl from the world that is trying to destroy her soul is her father. The mothers can't do mm. it. The sisters mm. can't do it. No mm. man wants to do it. And the world wants to exploit it. And, and when I saw this for the first time, the, the, just the importance of a, a father, when a girl's, you know, 10 to 12 years old, sitting at the edge of her bed and saying, baby, how was your day today? Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for us as men to even do it with our wives. You know, you know what right. I'm saying? That's hard. Right. I, I, had right. to, I had to put a conscious effort in to do that with my wife. Mm. And, and, and they're telling me, you need to be doing that with your, with your 12-year-old daughter. I'm like, you got to be kidding that's the way we've been socialized, and that is the traumatic scar that we're leaving. We're leaving a void in our daughter's lives for the first man to come along and tell them, you know, it's not love. It's actually love. She's going to say, I love you, but it's not love. And they're going to fall for it because they don't have and don't know 
um, the protective, guiding, strong, firm, fatherly love to protect them from the world. And that's what these women are seeing, and they're going, oh, my God, that's how Roscoe got away with it. And it it hurts. And and another thing James women don't realize, too, is when they do the fake contacts, when they do all these other things that are extremely altering to their appearance, for the predator out there who's looking to take advantage of a woman like that, it's pretty much it shows him who the target is. And this is one of the things I've talked about with one of You are so on the point. Because you know me, like, well, I'm I'm recently redeemed. My walk in my faith is maybe seven years old. But I used to be that dude. I was looking for the woman who had the little purple streak in her hair. I knew that she had identity problems. I knew she had esteem problems. I knew she had self-worth problems. And all I had to do was walk up to her and tell her, you know what, that's cute and all, but your natural hair is much more beautiful. And you know who that person is? That's what her daddy should have did. But exactly. Because I'm telling her that I'm able to just take advantage of her in all kinds of ways. True. Mm. And and we and you know, I mean, we know. We, we know as when... You know, as as a former predator, you know what to look for in the club. You know, and it wasn't the one with the booty shorts. That that was the easy one. It was the one that was real, real attractive, was kind of quiet and kind of reserved, but it had this one little trigger out there that you could figure out and be like, oh, there it is. I know how to get that one. Hmm. And that, well, that's the way. That's the way. And and if the father is imparting that, if the father was the one to tell that girl, take that daggone purple streak out of your hair. Your hair is beautiful without any uh, dye or coloring or straightening. You are a beautiful God, a creation of God. Then a dude can't come up and play that game. And the other thing that I'm seeing, like with my daughter, my, my daughter doesn't live with me, but we're, we're together. It's, she hugs me like a boyfriend sometimes. And it's not that romantic time, but it's just an endearing, protective love that she knows with me. So she's being programmed and conditioned on how to be touched appropriately by a man. So the first dude that comes along and tries to put his arm around her with a sexual uh, agenda or trying to, to get something from her, it's going to make her feel awkward. She's going to feel peculiar. It's going to feel weird. She's going to say, get your hands off me. That's not the way I'm supposed to be touched. But if you don't have daddy to do that for you, then the first dude that comes along and says, baby, I love you, and throw his arm around you and tap you on your behind, you go for it. Jenks, I think I lost you for a second. No, I'm right here. Oh, okay, I'm good, right, good. I'm, I'm right here. Okay. Yeah, now, yeah. Now, one of the things... AT&T, sorry. <laughs> now, tell us a little bit about um, the film and the kind of buzz it's causing in the blogs and the women who are talking about it and all these different locations where it sort of has sprouted out beyond the film itself. Well, it, it's taking on a life... And, and I... I, I keep going back to the original point, man. Black women, you know, they, they know they're not Halle Berry. They don't even want to be Halle Berry. They know that they're not Gabrielle Union. They know that they're not Angela Bass. But these are caricatures that they can sit back and, and look at and relate to somewhat. But they know they, they can, they, they're smart enough and intuitive enough to know that they have never really, really seen themselves on camera. That's one side of it. The other side of it, the true, authentic hurt that is going on in, internally, excuse me, that they're, that they're a most, and when I say most, I say more than half comfortable, that is going on with most black women has never been explored through cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and here it is. Uh, what's the love got to do with it? Is that um, Ike Turner, Ike and Tina Turner? 
Right. That movie resonated with women because that is part of their experience, um, a large part. A, a movie about, uh, like, Color Purple where uh, incestuous molestation or rape, those kind of things kind of resonate with black women because that's part mm-hmm. of their experience. But ultimately, those two lanes allow the woman to, to, to look outwards, to, to say, I'm a victim of these circumstances, okay? What we need to talk is saying, okay, all right, we get that. We, I understand that date, I mean, rape and molestation and incest and uh, uh, domestic violence, all these things occur. We, we got that, and, and Hollywood has tried and tried that. What I've done is to turn the camera inward and to say, okay, these are the life choices that I have made. And that's not me saying these are what the women are saying. And there, there had to come a time in my life where I had to look at, yes, I had some precursors. There was some, may have been some traumas, but I've made some bad choices. And these choices, though they may have been because my father was there, there's a, a moment if I want to become reconciled with my salvation and my faith where I'm going to have to own up to these things, be redeemed from them, and then the true doorway to salvation opens up for me. And that is never, that's no part, because you know Hollywood doesn't touch faith at all. Right. To show, to show that this is the pathway through, to be redeemed. For, and so that, that gift box that you put away in the closet, you get a chance to take it out open it up, let that little traumatized girl go because that little monster is, is really the thing that has held your life hostage and made you repeat the same mistakes over. You feel empty. You, you, you've, you've tried dating the, the baller. You've tried dating the rich guy. you tried dating the old guy. You've tried work. You've, all these things to try, even the church, to try to fill that void that only really Christ can fill, and it doesn't work because that void was left there only to be filled by Christ. And that's what the movie is showing that, okay, when you reconcile with that person that you have been holding on to so dearly and refusing to let go and really have been trained to put up brick walls, barbed wire, and, and cocktail fences to keep people off and some hand grenades as well to keep a guy like me out of that space, that space is ultimately what is holding you hostage. Hmm. Wow. That's too complicated? Wow. Or? No, that, absolutely not. It's just a lot of real dialogue as opposed to what Hollywood, as you said, would feed us based on stereotypes. And, um, you know, a film like this is pretty much undoing a lot of knots. So I I can see the power in it in itself. And um, it's just amazing because it's so easy to buy into something else that's not as real and um, penetrating and as emotional as the truth. Yeah, and and, and what I love about the film is that there's What's that movie? I can't uh, wait and exhale. I cannot mm-hmm. stand that movie. I'm a t- you put you can broadcast this one and blog it and tweet it all you. I do not like that movie, uh, <laughs> and I don't like it. For, I don't like it from the perspective of a black male. I don't, the, the castigation of black male and that thing is a mess. But after the end of We Need to Talk, black women are truly exhaling. They are mm-hmm. really, really. It's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it, you know the, the pregnant pause, the lights come on, and you look in the audience and then. Like, okay, ladies, are you okay? And they're all staring at you like, thank you. Thank you for letting mm-hmm. us really let this thing loose for the first time. Because Cosmo won't do it because they make money off of you keeping hold of that young girl. Hollywood won't do it because they keep and make money off of you holding on to that young girl. The newspapers, media, Essence, all of these things that you've been reaching for to try to, to find the answer really are invested in keeping you subjugated to that thing and keeping you bonded, bonded to that, that, that trauma so that you can never really be free in your heart, mind, and soul. And I, 
I see the freedom that comes as soon as, as, soon as the lights come on. They, you can just see the tears in the, in, the, in the faces. You can see the look of relief. You can hear the exhale. You can hear the sigh come off of these women when they see this film. Wow. And and you say it took you how long to make this film again? About 35 days. Wow. I shot it on May the 10th. It was at the manufacturer on, and the manufacturer, they took three weeks, but, I mean, it was at the manufacturer the, probably the 8th of June. Oh, wait so a second. Shot. You talk, we yeah. talked offline. You said you shot it on May 10th. On May 10th? I, I filmed the, the subjects May the 10th. It was in the distributor's hand, the manufacturer's hands, I think June the 8th. Wow. So you, you're saying this is a one-day filming? I filmed it all in one day, yeah. Wow. Now, see, For eight hours, I sat there with these, these ten women. I cried. I laughed. I cried again, and then I cried some more. And, I, you know, I filmed some of the best. You know, you've seen what black men think. I, I filmed some high-powered dudes, and I've been on the panels with high-powered dudes and blah, blah. But these women, I, for the first time in my life, I was able to, to, to see it, you know, from not just the clinical and the spiritual, but just, just to be able to touch it. Because, you know, we can read the studies that say, okay, it's, it's necessary for a father to be uh, actively engaged in a young girl's life. That's sterile. It's not telling you that you've got to hold her hand in the right. It's not telling you that you have to rub her hair. In the, it's not telling you you have to hold her in this way. It's not telling you what happens when that, to that girl when you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll say that, you know, you're the poorest outcomes, you know, from educational and STDs and teen pregnancy and abstinence and all that, blah, 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 blah. But that's the sterile. But to touch it for the first, it blew me away. I had, to, I had to walk out the room a couple times messing around with them women because I, 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 was, I, I was in there, and I was, they, the, the beautiful thing about them is that they, they, they allowed me to come into that space because the average woman never, that's why I've had such challenges working with women for years, and that's why I've shot away from it. They won't let me in that space. Mm-hmm. They, won't, they won't let me. They, they've got all of the weaponry to keep a guy like me out of that space because they just, you know, they don't trust their father, they don't trust dudes, and they definitely don't trust some strange guy running his mouth. Um, so these women let me right there. I mean, we, we were, and when I'm there, I'm there with you holding you by your hand so we can both walk out of this trauma together. So mm-hmm. I'm, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm hurting as bad as they are because I've never touched this woman's, you know, pain. I, right. I, I just, I never, I've never had to put my, my arms around that thing before. Wow. And it, it and that's why I said this movie's cut up into tears because I'm going to tell, I'm, I'm going to put fathers on blast with this thing mm-hmm. because I, I, I'll let them off the hook first because I'm going to tell you, I, like, I, that's why I keep asking you on your understanding. The average black man does not understand what's going on. And I, and right. I, I would wager to probably say they don't even care. You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'm not even talking about males. I'm talking about men of daughters, fathers who are men of right. daughters. They, 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 we've been trained to be disengaged. There's an old adage that says um, uh, mothers raise their daughters and love their sons. Well, mm-hmm. I think black fathers raise their boys when they're engaged and love their daughters. And and I, I think what we do is, you know, we're, we're kind of aloof with them and, like, I love you. We'll tell them I love you all the time. Uh, or and But we aren't, we don't know the things that we have to do to validate to acknowledge, accept, and approve, and ratify their their, um, their self worth, and so I'm getting ready to let fathers know. Like Chris Rock said, you know, his job was to keep his daughter off the pole. No, it's, right. it's bigger than that. I'm gonna tell yeah. you, if your daughter loses her virginity, or she's hyper promiscuous, or if she's got multiple abortions, it's your fault. Right, right. And, and I'm all I, 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 
And I, I just wanted to clarify hard. one thing as well. You know, I'm that guy who always had very deep relationships with women. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I, I hold a lot of secrets that women have told me. And mm-hmm. one of the mistakes oftentimes with me and meeting a woman is to engage her in a conversation where she has exposed some things that she did not intend to say. Mm-hmm. But it was a time for her and the emotion for her to get those things off her chest, and then I never heard from them again. So I've understood for a while that there are some things, and I haven't said I wouldn't say I've heard it all or in, even mm-hmm. a small portion of it. But the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, is there are so many things that women hold in and you know close to their heart that they mm-hmm. would would um, painfully release if they had the opportunity. But it's still mm-hmm. something. Without the right um, format mechanism, yeah, format mechanism. Just like you tools. said, yeah. mm-hmm. to to make them feel safe after the fact. That's it. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. And th- this is the the premise of the film too. Um, what's going on with me is you know I'm 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 in these churches right these big churches mega churches thousands of people speaking blah blah blah, and. Every mega church I go to, Mike, I can guarantee I, I can find a 15-year-old girl who's pregnant. I can find. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and we're not talking. We're not talking Sunday. I'm talking about like on a Tuesday. I'm there on like Tuesday, Wednesday Bible study night, and they're right there. Mm-hmm. So that means they're they are part of the church. It's not that they just show up every every Sunday or Mother's Day or whatever. And I know that that's a function of exactly what you're talking about. If that space is unreconciled, that space is, that that hurt. Um, and it, 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 I want to differentiate the type of hurts because when I when you were talking, I, I was thinking about my experience with women because women will tell you all about them being abused or they were molested by some adult or they even domestic violence or beat. They'll tell you all that. I, I, you'll get that all. There was a time in my life where it seemed like every girl I was dating had been molested by their uncle. It's driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. But the space that we're in in the film is the internal. I've got to hold the mirror up to myself and look at the choices that I've made. That space. It's hard. That's a hard one. I mean, and I, I, it's just a hard space to get to. And if that's not, that space is not reconciled, then they're not sharing that in, intimate, personal experience with the next generation. Yes. And that, that's why we, we see the repeated patterns of behavior also without the guiding and tutel, tutelage of the, the, next, the previous generation. So it's exponential now. It's not that they're not, um, the girls don't have the resources of both parents. They're not even getting the information to make, you know, informed decisions because right, right. there's, there's a, a barrier inside of a woman that even won't, she won't even address these issues with herself. Mm-hmm. So that's why you, when you see, you know, like some of the buzz out there, it's like, man, this is going, women are going to really start opening up their mouths and telling these girls, like, not like, like, here's what they'll tell them. Don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Don't mess with no dudes. That doesn't work. Those are right, negative ratifiers. Right. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work, okay? And I got an older woman in the in the movie. It's like you don't want to get pregnant because you won't be able to. You'll be have to get a babysitter, and that, that's the same old rhetoric that does nothing. It does not work. But if I tell you, I was 13 years old when I lost my virginity, and the minute that it happened, the instant that it happened, I knew that I had let not only my father, my mother, my community, but myself down it hurt me so bad i went home and broke down in tears but here's what happens with us women we think we know it all at that age we think we've got it together and all of our friends are telling us how wonderful and hollywood is telling us how beautiful so you go back and you do it again to make sure the first time wasn't so bad it doesn't get better and you will spend the next 30 years doing this okay 
the next 30 years doing the same thing. That mm-hmm. conversation, has, you've never seen it on TV, have you? You haven't seen it on no. Oprah, have you? You haven't Absolutely. seen it in the film, have you? You've never seen it in Cosmo. You haven't seen it in none of the magazines because that is the thing that will set a generation of young women free. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. what I have in the film. And tell us where the film is going to be airing. I want to make sure we get that information out. It's going to be Thursday, August the 5th at the Avalon Theater on Connecticut Avenue. And here's the caveat, gentlemen. I'm going to get with you soon, but this event is for women only. Uh, We've got about 96 of 450 seats left. Uh, And I think after tomorrow we're going to be sold out. But uh, that's a good thing, but it's going to be a good place to start this movement. Awesome. Well, we're going to check back with you, too, and um, find out how that went. And, um, you know, I'm going to be looking for discussions about this as well. And it's interesting. I had a similar concept that was brought to me by producer Tom Ed Herring, um, a show called 40 and Fabulous, where um, older women would talk to younger women, too, just about life success and, you know, the trials and tribulations, but more on the the mode of um, success and how to be successful in your career paths and the things that may have been sacrificed along the way. But this one is totally, I mean, it's 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 so much deeper. Yeah, and the thing of it is, black women are getting down already. You understand that? that mm. If you look at the economic indicators, the educational achievement, college enrollment, high school graduation, oh, they got that memo and they are killing it. Mm. Uh, African American women enter into college. Only people that group that uh, get, goes to college more than black women is Asian women. They are penetrating corporate. They are getting down. They, they, mm. They're wealth building and well, they got credit there, but that's another thing. But they're getting down. But their relationships wow. with black men. Wow. You, un- you understand? Absolutely. So the world can tell you how to, how to succeed and be successful in yourself. They got that memo very, very strong. But the mm-hmm. memo they do not have is how to relate to themselves and to relate to other men. And this is both ways, men and women. Wow. And that is a, that's a function of parenting. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, that's good. You can, you can get all of these, these great figureheads and say, and, yeah, they'll help them out and they'll be good mentors and show them that they'll keep on doing as well, but their relationships will still be as dysfunctional as they are today. And, and this and- one of the other things, too, is to open a dialogue at this level, too, amongst um, men and women, too, in areas that they're not communicating. And um, mm-hmm. I would love to call you back in on some of those shows as well um, to be I would, I, would lo- I would love to. I would love to. But like I told you when we got on air or off air before we started this, I, I want my mission with this film is to probably be the most hated black man in America by black men because this is teaching women that you are so valuable mm-hmm. that – no man should ever be able to take advantage of you, or, or you should never open yourself up in that way, uh, sexual intimacy, without building a legacy. That Know that you are so valuable, and that is the most valuable thing that you can possess, and that is yourself. That you give it, you don't look for any man to validate you. I want men to be just basically cussing me out, saying, man, I don't know what's going on. They done saw this movie, and I can't get none no more. Good. <laughs> Yeah, that would get you hated. Yeah, that would get you hated. Yeah, I, I'll take that. I will take that right now. I will right. take that. Yeah, right. If I get crucified for that one, bravo, because wow. that, that's the thing about it. The women just don't, you know, they, they hear, oh, yeah, you're valuable, you're queens, and blah, blah, and that's the first pimp that comes along. You're a queen, and they fall for that. But mm-hmm. To really know their value internally and to be able to, to believe it and hold on to it and, and resonate it and, it and it glows, then all the jokers get kicked to the side at first. And then a guy can talk about, I want to marry you. And that, you know, that might work, and we can date, and we can hang out and all that. But, you know, we ain't laying down nowhere until, like, I need a ring, brother. Sorry. I'm mm-hmm. worth way more than that. And mm-hmm. if I got a, a, a nation of black women kicking it like that, it's over. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Because then we're going to build healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy communities, healthy neighborhoods, and, and really just a healthy black community. It's, it's over because women don't understand the power they have to kind of dictate the pace of what our relationships look like um, uh, between men and women. They mm-hmm. don't understand that. It's been devalued and it's been stripped from them, and, and boys exploited, males exploited. Well, I, I don't know how much much longer we'll be able to stay on, but um, we're actually Oh, I thought you said so, we had a minute. <laughs> no, yeah, we did. That was gone. Oh, sorry. Ago, you know I get but, to go on. But you can yeah. tell I'm fired up about this thing, though, man. I'm, I'm telling you, man. But we're still online. A great, a great we're recording. Work if anybody was listening live, they don't hear us, but we're still recording. So a lot of this will still be on as well. So, That's uh, good. Yeah. That's good. No, I was just saying that, that this is a, this is a, when I say this is my best it's it's my my, my best work and mm-hmm. the healing and the healing process this is it this is ball game right here yeah this yeah is ball, this is this is ball game and, and the thing I like about your films is it's not a film you see <laughs> and you just say hey you know I saw this film it impacts you it changes your dialogue it changes the scope of your life it helps you to see things differently and question yourself others their motives, so forth and so on. So with this, you're, you're really, like I said, stirring the pot. There's something brand new that's going to come up because of this. And um, I just can't wait for it to kind of grow into what it's becoming. And I, I know we talked about you coming down there. I love it. I think I do have a simulcast. Somebody's doing blog from down there, man. But mm. I, I would love for uh, people to kind of capture, you know, the, the essence that's, or the spirit that's coming out of that, that thing when those women walk out of that theater after it's over with. It's going to be powerful, man. It's just, it's, I, I can just, I can smell it. I, I mean, I, I, I knew when I, when I put the camera down that day, I was like, man, I am sitting on a game changer. I started calling my boy. I'm like, dude, you know, I know, I can't tell you what it's going to look like when I'm finished, but I'm telling you, in the can right now, I've got a game changer. And wow. this one, this, this thing, you will, I, I can pretty much guarantee you, will, you have never seen anything like this in black film ever. And I'm not the hype guy. I, you know, I don't hype my stuff up. Like, it's, it's, it's in, like whatever. In black film or any film, to tell you the truth. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, I don't care about all of them because I love my people. So I try and worry about what. But I'm saying there's a, there's a restoration that can happen with us. And we mm-hmm. can lead the way on this because the, the devolution of the family has hit us the hardest. Well, what if we're the first to pull it back together and make the model and the role, and the role model yeah. that the rest of America looks, like, looks to and right. becomes envious of? And, and you know what? Now's the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now it's it. is the we time. Done, we've done 40, 40, 50 years of this foolishness. Time to turn it back to where we just mm-hmm. were. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jenks, man, I, you know, I, I wish you the best. And um, I, I know that the great things are coming your way. And I, and I really, really thank you on short notice for getting back to me and making this thing happen. I really appreciate it. And, um, uh, you know, um, hopefully I'll hear your interview tomorrow as well. And, um you know, uh, it's on WHUR, is that correct? Yeah, I'll be on HUR at uh, 7 o'clock. Okay. So, so actually, the same time that this is on. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing about mine is people can hear both because they can yeah, right. hear my show. Download to their podcast. I love Blog Talk, boy. Brilliant. Yeah, man. So, man I, tell, I tell you before, Mike, anytime, Mike, anytime, you were one of the early adopters is what I call you guys. Oh, um, okay. And, uh, and I, I think if I get the story right, what Black Men Think might have been one of the catalysts behind why you, you created this show. If I'm yeah, not and I wanted to mention that in the very beginning, too. It was because, again, the show was all about misconceptions, you know, yep. and news and media and what we just believe on GP just because of what we've heard or read without doing any research to back it up. 
Yeah. yeah. So, no, so I know you, and we cool. And I, if I got time, I will do that. And you know what? It don't make no difference where this thing takes me or where I go. You know, I'm I'm, I'm extremely loyal to those people that I know, and um, uh, I'll, I'll take your call before I. T- well, I do know Soledad, so that's different. I'll take your call before <laughs> I take Suzanne Malvo. I don't know her. <laughs> Maybe that would change just from that statement. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to be left out of the loop with you, man, because um, if anybody hears from someone else um, anything about you, it's always hyped and it's always with a big impact because that's what you do. It's no small stories with Jenks Morton, that's for sure. I appreciate it. So uh, let's do this again, and hopefully we can do a follow-up. What I would love to do is uh, you know, reach out to some of the people who were there after this event and put a show together. That would be a great, great concept to, to, to right. do after the fact to really – like, I'm talking all this good stuff now. You know, it's just Jenks running his mouth and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But to hear, to hear firsthand from the women who experienced that night, um, that I haven't even thought about. I mean, that's a good, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. Like, here, here's some women who were at the event and let them speak for it. Let them talk to it. Because the other thing, they'll be able to say it in a language that women can relate to more than me. More than, than, than I can communicate, rather. So. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I'll post it, of course, on your, your Facebook page tomorrow uh, and let That's people great. be able to hear that. And you can go back in and repost it again and reshare it. And, um, you know, oh. go ahead and tell other women, too, that are, you know, linking onto your site that they can repost it on their pages as well. And we'll just let the thing fan out. And everyone will get an opportunity to have this um, personal, intimate conversation with you as well. That's great. I appreciate it, Mike. So uh, let's catch up quick, and let's catch up soon. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put together that MP3 for you after the show tomorrow, and I'll try That's to get that directly to you. I, I appreciate it, Mike. No, no problem. All right. Thanks. Look, right, thanks bro. a lot, man. appreciate it a lot. You'll be good, all right? You too, man. Thanks. All Bye-bye. Right. Peace. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community, a program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids' and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. The choices they make today based on God's love for them will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a young life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call 202-399-7017. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? 
You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here, and I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I want to take a moment to talk to you about a heinous crime against humanity that plagues our nation, and yes, believe it or not, communities just like yours. Here's something you can do today to lend your support in the fight against human trafficking, also known as modern slavery. For example, Tanya was only 11 when she was forced to use her body for her own survival and the perverse desires of others. Now 18, Tanya knows no other life. She can't even remember when she was able to choose how she wanted to dress. Tanya dreams of being a teacher one day, and with the help of Bridge to Freedom programs and your support, they can empower her and others like her to move from surviving to thriving. You can make a huge difference in the life of a survivor this year through your support and donations to Bridge to Freedom Foundation. Bridge to Freedom is a nonprofit organization that provides aid to survivors of slavery who now live in the U.S., such as former child soldiers and victims of sex trafficking and forced labor. The cornerstone of Bridge to Freedom's work is personal and professional development to help survivors adapt and thrive in their new lives and communities and find work to support themselves. The Bridge to Freedom Foundation needs your support to help people just like Tanya. They need your urgent action to ensure that they can continue to provide clothing and health and beauty services to these survivors. These are not only important for rebuilding self-esteem, but are crucial to finding employment. They're also in great need of storage containers and clothing racks to organize and store donations. 
While donations of needed items are vital, one sure thing that will help to stop the spread of this injustice and prevent it from thriving undetected is educating yourselves about human trafficking or slavery and knowing the signs and the proper authorities to contact if you become aware of a victim in crisis. Find out more at BridgeToFreedomFoundation.org or if you have a reason to suspect that someone may be a victim of human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline on 1-888-373-7888. Multilingual call specialists are on standby 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. All calls are confidential.
Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to Turn It Up, a brand new show featured on A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Turn It Up is all about independent recording artists of all kinds, R&B, rap, jazz, soul, gospel, even country. But the primary reason for Turn It Up is to feature and help independent artists that take it to the next level by showcasing new music, sharing studio recording tips and tricks, to help your track stand out like the pros and industry information to help you choose the right path and keep you in the game. Every week we bring you new artists, industry insiders, and fresh new tracks that you won't be able to hear anywhere else. The truth is, if you're an independent artist trying to make it in the music biz, you need all the help you can get. So let's stop playing. Get your demos together and get ready to turn it up. If you just A few weeks ago on my way home, I was stopped at the traffic light just before entering my neighborhood. And I was thinking to myself just how much better my commute was than it was the day before. Earlier that week, I took my usual shortcut behind the mayor's office. And my wife and I saw Mayor Adrian Fenty in his new smart car. He waved to my wife and I, but I couldn't get my camera out fast enough and I missed a great photo opportunity. So on Thursday, being better prepared... I tried again, but the weather was bad, and of course, so was the traffic, and I got stuck behind the mayor's office for over 20 minutes. When I got home, I was so beat, I went straight to my office and got myself a 40-minute acupressure infrared heat massage, and that brought me back to life. But today, traffic was a breeze. At the traffic light, I happened to look over to the car next to mine, and I saw a beautiful three-year-old little girl staring out of the window from her car seat in a daze. I smiled as I thought about how wonderfully simple our lives were back then when we were children. Then she noticed me and she smiled back, and I looked away to see if the light had changed, and when I looked back again, I smiled and saw her looking at me, and then she started laughing hysterically, only the way a three-year-old could. So I laughed, and she laughed, and the light turned green, 
and I waved goodbye and proceeded home. As I was driving, I thought to myself, if that would have occurred yesterday, even after my 90 minutes in traffic, that would have been all I needed to snap me back to life. A three-year-old smile versus my expensive massage bed. The kid wins every time. On the drive through my neighborhood, I had an epiphany. How many things have I placed in my life to make up for not taking the time to really enjoy all the simple things life has to offer? Well, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Many of us have forgotten how to enjoy and appreciate the little things or even the small steps of our accomplishments or the little likes in our relationships or the small things that bring us joy in the pursuit of things that would bring us greater happiness. We have become impatient and always looking ahead to the thing that we perceive to be the source of our happiness. Webster's defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Look, be careful in life that you do not lose your joy. Research shows that if you do, loss of good health is not far behind. Take time out to enjoy the little things in life. Rejoice in reliving life's joys through sharing them often with others. And take a moment to relax in your moment of peace through your joy instead of the empty pursuit of pleasure. If you ever lose sight of life's joy, take every step in your power to reclaim it as soon as possible. Your first step to reclaim true joy in life is just to look to God. He's always willing to show us his glory to all who are willing to seek. Just take a moment and look around you, and you will see his joy everywhere. But if you still need a starting point, look in the eyes of a child. The younger, the better. There you will find true joy, or in other words, joy and a measure of truth. Well, truth seekers, I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you.
Giving up, they gotta laugh. Yo, I got it in me to finish this track meet, but I still find myself carrying heat. It's not where it's at, man. The game is not that sweet. I don't see no competition, no way that they could compete. Sacrificing time, secret paradise, enjoy the Like this passion lost, left unexplained. 